And amen, church. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, I got to start with a story that I heard. And it's a story of a guy that he knew he was going to die. So he pre-recorded a message that he had somebody put this message inside the coffin. So I know it's kind of twisted, but just go with me. So he puts the message in the coffin and they're at his burial. And so imagine, it's a, kind of a somber event, obviously. People are around, and they're, they're mourning, and they're going to commit his body into the ground. And all of a sudden, the recording goes off, and it's like, hey! And it's his voice. Hey! Let me out! You know, he's knocking. Let me out! It's dark in here! Let me out! And everybody's like, what the? Because they, they know it's his voice, and they're like freaking out and everything. And you can imagine the scene and how kind of chaotic it was. I did not hear how the, I didn't, I don't know if they opened the, the casket and kind of looked in there and, and to see if he was okay. See, if it was me, I would have took it a step farther. I would have been like, if they open the casket, I'm going to have a spring underneath me and I'm going to pop up. And then there, anyway, I'd do stuff differently. So, but I thought about that, that story. And this, it's a real story that this guy did. But the reason people were like, obviously, beside themselves is because nobody would, expect, nobody would expect to hear his voice. Nobody would expect to hear somebody beating on a casket because we all expect the person that's in the casket to stay in there and not speak and, and, and be dead because that's where they're at. But, but that's why it was so crazy. That, that leads me to, and by the way, I, I told Jody, I said, Jody, when I die, I said, I know that we have options, burial, cremation, but I said, I really want you to I want you to stuff me like a deer, but, you know, and just set me on the couch. That way I can kind of keep an eye on everything. She's like, yeah, 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 we'll do it. Or, or second option, cremate me, put me in an hourglass, and then I can still participate in family game night. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, so we got a couple options, but, um, <laughs> sorry. So, but this guy, this casket thing, back to that story. So, the reason I tell you that is because it, it's, it's so outlandish, but yet we celebrate it every week in the church. Every week we celebrate the fact that a man was dead and then alive. See, if you're new to Meadows, first of all, welcome home. And if you're new to maybe the, the realm of Christianity or maybe you're just um, researching or just kind of here, maybe your girlfriend forced you to come, whatever the case is. Um, everything we do here is based on um, an event that happened. That, that Jesus was dead and then three days later he was alive. And there were, understand something, when that happened... And, and, and word started to spread throughout the land, people were doubting. People were, uh, there was a lot of unbelief. And, and that's the series we're in called Faith Beyond Doubt. And I'm telling you, and some of you, you're doubting right now. It might not be something like that, but something in your life. You've got questions. You've got concerns. You've got struggles. You, you're, you're doubting areas. You're, you're, you have uncertainty. And uh, what I, here's what I want to encourage you. The story you're going to hear today um, doubt wasn't the end of the, the faith journey for this gentleman. Doubt was actually the beginning of his faith journey. And for some of you, doubt, I hope you're learning right, something in the series that doubt isn't a bad thing. Doubt is actually not a bad thing at all if you, if you don't stay there. If you don't stay in your doubt, like you move through this doubt. So, and the gentleman, the, 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 the gentleman that's really the, the center of today's story, well, he's, he's the epitome of doubt. Like when people hear the word doubt, they think of him. Like, like he, in fact, if I, even if you didn't grow up in church circles, maybe this is the first time you've ever been to church, you still have probably heard this term, right? And you can even finish it for me. That person, they are a doubting, yeah, Thomas. Wouldn't that suck? I mean, the guy has one weak moment and he's labeled doubting Thomas for like ever, I mean, thousands of years? That ain't fair. You've had weak moments, haven't you? What if somebody defined you? That night you were at the bar doing shots of fireball and then they got it up. You know what I'm saying? 
They didn't find you by that. What if they defined your pastor by that time I had that weak moment in the fourth grade? Remember? Some of you know that story? Yeah, I had the irritable bowel syndrome going on. Some of you don't know. Let me share real quick. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's one of the most traumatic things that's ever happened to your pastor, my God. So fourth grade, Salem, South Dakota, Catholic grade school. I'm sitting there, my classmates. I'm sitting right next to Mary Beth, my girlfriend. Well, she didn't know that, but she was, trust me. So anyway, so I'm sitting there, and it's, it's speech day. And I've got to get up and give a speech that I memorized in front of the class. And I tell you what, I was, my stomach started, my stomach was turning like a gymnast on meth. It was just like flipping over and over. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not going to make it in my stomach. And I'm like trying to hold, you know, trying to hold back this, this eruption that's going, going to happen. And it was miserable because Mary Best next to me and, you know, I'm, I'm up next. And I'm just like, just panicking, sitting on a hard plastic chair. I'm like, this is terrible. And I'm like, just like this. And all of a sudden I couldn't do it anymore. And it just started to, Yeah. So, but, 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 but because I was trying to hold it back so much, it didn't come out just like normal. It came out more of a whistle. So it was like, it was hor- It was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh no. So anyway, so I'm sorry, but you got to know, you got to know that you had to know that. So it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. What, but what if they knew, what if I was called, oh, here comes Gassy Gannon. Oh, here comes Mount St. Monty. Oh, he's going to blow, you know? So anyway. What I'm saying is, Thomas, that poor guy gets a bad rap. He does. I'm going to share you his story. It's, it's so epic because Jesus Christ, at this point, Jesus has risen from the dead. It just happened that morning. It's Sunday. That morning, uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, Peter, and John, they go to the tomb, and they see that no one's there, and they run back. And, and later that night, this is what goes down. I'm preaching out of John. It's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the story of Jesus' life. John 20, verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. They were freaking out. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. And Jesus says, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands, the holes, you know, in his hands. They were, they were filled with joy. He also showed them the, the wound in his side from the spear. And, and as they had joy, they, they had joy because they saw the Lord. And again, for the second time, Jesus says, peace be with you. He's just bringing peace to them. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Then Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What's so crazy about that is the Holy Spirit it doesn't even, he, he doesn't even come to all believers until about 50 days later at a uh, moment that we call Pentecost. But, but that's when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. So what you're seeing here is a special filling of the Holy Spirit for these 10 disciples. Just, here's what's crazy about this. Well, let me get to it in a second. Let me, let me finish. So that's a special filling. Verse 24, one of the 12, you know who it is, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, he wasn't with the others when Jesus came. Thomas misses it. Like, how do you miss this? Like, they're, they're locked in a, in a room. They're freaking out. Where was Thomas? Thomas is like, the one time I get a hit on Tinder and go on a date, Jesus shows up. I mean, what are the chances, you know? Thomas misses it. Jesus shows up. And Thomas did miss out. See, something happens when, when, when we gather together with Jesus at the center. Did you know that? Like, maybe you've never thought about this, even if you've heard this story. Have you ever thought about what Thomas missed that day? 
let me recap what he missed. He missed Christ blessing them with, with peace twice. He missed a, a special commissioning. Remember, as the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. So he misses the commissioning. And then he also misses the breathing of the Holy Spirit on them. So to, see, you can watch, and I'm glad you're watching. If you're watching online, welcome. We're glad you're here. You can watch from your living room. You can listen uh, the, to the podcast on your treadmill on Tuesday. But I'm telling you what, something supernatural happens when we gather together in the name of Jesus. Amen? It just does. It just, we love you online, but you are missing some things that God's going to do today in the moment. Thomas missed it. He wasn't in the room. He missed it. Verse 25. They're, they're, telling, they're telling Thomas. Did I skip ahead? No, verse 25. They told Thomas, we've seen the Lord. You missed it, Thomas, but we've seen him. Thomas is like, nah, <laughs> that's crazy. You're telling me some guy beating on the coffin? No, I don't believe it. I won't, I, I won't believe. I won't believe. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Unless I, I put my fingers in them and place my hand. Thomas is getting kind of gross, but put my hand up in his side. Hey, hey, here's the thing. If you want to label Thomas, he wouldn't be doubting Thomas. What he really would be known as, what he should be known as in this moment, unbelieving Thomas. He's, he's just said, I won't believe. There's a difference between doubting and unbelieving. So doubting says, man, I can't do it. I can't go there. I got questions. Uh, things aren't adding up. But unbelieving says, I won't. I won't believe unless you prove it. I won't believe it unless you show me evidence Unless I put my hand, I won't believe it. There's a difference. So he's not even doubting. He's unbelieving. Verse 26, eight days now have passed. They're back in that same room again. Only this time Thomas is with them. So there's not just 10, but there's 11. By the way, this is something else you maybe have never thought of if you've heard this story. Think about the last eight days. Think about how different they, they, differently they were for the 10 versus Thomas. That whole week, the ten are living and they're living um, by faith. They're living with joy. They're living with peace. They're living out in the open. Whereas Thomas, and some of you, this is where you're at. Thomas is living in isolation. Thomas is still living in fear. Thomas is still living in unbelief. It would have been a miserable eight days for Thomas. But for the ten, it was glorious. Think about that. Eight days later. Eight days later, they're, they're, they're together again. By the way, you know what I just thought of? And this will be one of, your, one of your points. I'm just going to put it in there now. When I think about that eight days, and Thomas is unbelieving, the ten are believing, unbelief robs Thomas. Or it robs him and it robs you. It robs you of opportunities and blessings. Did you know that? Unbelief, I'm going to say it again. Unbelief robs you of opportunities and blessings. What's the opposite of unbelief? Well, it's believing. It's, it's faith, right? So, so if I think about this, Thomas was robbed for eight days of life. Why? He's not believing. See, part of our, our, our year-end faith offering that we're doing, maybe you're, you're new today, you haven't heard about it, but it, on December 5th, we're, we're having a year-end faith offering. And it's not, even about, it's not about money, and I'll talk about that in a second, but it's about believing that God has something more for us. Like the word that God has given us is expansion. Say expansion. See, God wants to expand his kingdom. God wants to expand the, the faith of his people. God wants to expand goodness in the world. 
God wants to expand freedom in the world. Personally, God wants to expand territory for you with your family in love with maybe family members that you're not attached to, friends that you've disengaged with. And God wants to do something supernatural. So, so out of faith, we give to God. And I'll tell you, you're not giving. I, I'm not, when I give on the year in faith offering, I won't be giving because God needs it. God don't need nothing from me, nothing. I'm giving because I need it. You know, I need the belief. I need the faith. And, and, and sometimes people will, and I know we get hung up on money, and I tell people, do we believe what Jesus said? Jesus said, this is the words of Christ, it is more blessed, let me personalize it, you are more blessed to give than receive. Now, we can either believe it, or believe it and live with opportunities and live with blessings, or we can unbelieve it and not believe it and say, you know what, I, I love you, Jesus, that sounds great, but I'd rather receive than give because that's the way I want to live. It's so key. So, and I always go back to the money. God uses money because we attach ourselves to money and we hold on to it. But the blessings I'm talking about, it goes way beyond finance. We think about finance. Oh, if I give, God's going to give back. He might. He may, you may not see nothing back financially. That's no promise. But I see people that, I've seen people that have. There's a woman that sent me a message. This is a few weeks ago. And, and I'm going to share it because it's so good not to. And plus, she asked me to. She's like, I hope, I hope if, if this gets shared, it, it benefits somebody and helps somebody in their faith. This is what she said to me. Send, sends me a message on Facebook. She says, once again, I'm beyond blessed and learning to trust God more every day. You know, because we've had conversations, you know I thought this tithing and giving thing because of fear. She put it right in there. She said, God has shown up in ways I would have never imagined once I committed to, to do that. Once again, and she says, once again, another financial need has crept in, and I had no idea how I'm going to meet it. $750 is what I was short in this, in this area. See, when you, when you give financially, when you trust God and you believe in an area of your life, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It just means he's going to equip you. It wasn't easy. She's like, how am I going to pay this 750 bucks? She says, yikes, I have no idea where that's going to come from. That night I cried. See, it, it, it's real. That night I cried, and I know he listened. He was loving me, and I fall asleep. I wake up the next morning, and you know what? Nothing had changed, except this. I'll quote, except this, I, I was peaceful. I'm just trusting that a way, that, that he will make a way. I have nothing else, there's nothing else I can do. Later that day, I'm messing with prescription cards, calling the company about something. I discover through a conversation that I have $658 available in HSA funds. So they send me a check for $658. Oh, okay, it doesn't stop there. She continues. Um, then Wednesday of that week, I get notice from work that we're all getting, get this, you can't make this up, that we're all getting a $750 bonus. Yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? It's like God is saying, you don't believe I'm gonna give back. And if this isn't just, and if, I'm not preaching just prosperity here either. I'm telling you, you, you may not see uh, some blessing financially. It might be something better with health or in your family or, or a, uh, uh, coming together in a situation with your job or your marriage. So she, and God is so good. See, God is always above and beyond God. We just have to get underneath it. I, I, I beg people, I, I wish you'd understand what God, the words of God. I never understood it until I did it. She doesn't stop. We get a $750 bonus. You would have got that two days ago uh, for working through COVID. And in February, you know what else she found out? We're getting a $1,000 sharing bonus for meeting the goals of that month. So, so $658, $750, $1,000. And she says, 
I, I would have never, ever suspected this is what was going to happen to any of this. But God knew. Ah, oh, she's learning. She said, oh, she said, by the way, that $1,000, now I can fund my $1,000 fund that she learned in Financial Peace University. See, she's not just like giving and, oh, I hope it works out. No, no, no. She's taking steps of obedience to get under the umbrella of God. And so she's funding this financial peace fund. And she says, I would have never guessed God would do this. He provided my needs once again in a big way. I tell you this. Why is she telling me this? She said it. Because I want you to share it with others. I want you to share with others that struggle with either tithing or giving like I did. I hope this helps someone step out in faith and trust God in a new way. I mean, so I share that with you because she asked me to. And it fits perfectly. So... I, I, and by the way, the, the year-end offering, um, it, it can start now. We put a, we put a tab on the, on the uh, online application, or what is it, website? So there's a drop-down that says year-end faith offering, so you can start today. But understand something, understand this, and I'll drop it here. The most generous people I know, and I know a lot of very generous people, are the most giving. See, there's a reason that God will continually bless them, because it flows through them. So... Uh, on with the show. The doors were locked. Remember, this is eight days later. Suddenly, as before, Jesus, doors locked, it don't matter. Jesus is standing among them. So why is Jesus coming through locked doors twice? Because he can, that's why. Well, you would do it too if you had the ability, wouldn't you? I'd love to walk through, only I wouldn't bring peace like Jesus. I'd, I'd go through and show up and be like, boo! You know, I'd, I'd have fun with him, so... That's why I'm not Jesus. So anyway, so Jesus brings peace. And he, and he says it again. Doors are locked. And Jesus says the words, peace be with you. Verse 27. And then he said to Thomas, you of little faith, how dare you? Your friend, I, I show up to your 10 best friends. I walk with you for three years. And, and your friends tell you that I'm alive. They see the wounds. They touch them. And that's not good enough for you. You need more? Actually, that's what you'd think Jesus might say. He didn't say any of that because that's not the heart of the Father. What does Jesus do? Walks up to Thomas right away. Go ahead and look. I want you to see. I, you, asked, you asked to see. I want to show you. You, 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 you want to see? Go, go look. Yeah, put your hand. It's okay. He, Jesus says, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand in my wound. And then he says, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Turn to your neighbor and say, believe. Tell your neighbor right now. Tell him, believe. 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 Jesus doesn't get mad. Jesus doesn't get angry. Jesus just shows up, shows the wounds, and says, believe. And Thomas, he believed. You know why we know? Listen to his next statement. Verse 28, my Lord and my God. It is no longer the Lord and some God. No, no, no. My Lord. My God. Thomas exclaimed, see, there's a difference between believing in something and believing something. There, there's a difference. So, uh, for example, like, I believe in the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, that's, that's a legit football team. But, but I don't believe they got any hope today of beating the Dallas Cowboys. Can I get an amen? Gah! Security! Security! I, there's, I mean, I don't know what I'm looking <laughs> Oh, I had to make one statement. That's probably not going to be the last one either. So there's a difference between believing in and believing. Some of you, you believe in the existence of God. You just don't believe that it's personal to you. 
You don't believe that, that he's, you, you believe he exists, but not in your life on a personal level. Some of you, you believe in the power of prayer. You just don't believe God's going to answer your prayers. Some of you, you believe in an afterlife. Yeah, I believe in some sort of afterlife, but you don't believe that you're literally going to spend forever in a place called heaven or hell. There's a difference between believing in and believing. See, Thomas believed in Jesus. But once he saw the wounds, right, once his questions were answered, once, he, once his ten the tension was resolved, he went from believing in to believing. Believing in is here. Believing is here. This is the difference. I wrote down, even though Thomas unbelieved, let's just say, unbelief can move to doubt. And doubt, I told you earlier, you never want to stop in your doubt. It's okay to have doubt. Many times doubt is what? The beginning of your faith, not the end. So that's not a bad thing. But the key to doubt, and we can show the progression, your doubt needs to move to questions, and that's a great thing. And your questions, you know what they'll ultimately provide? Answers. So you've got doubt, you've got questions, and you've got answers. That played out this last week. I can't wait to share, you, share the story here in just a second. But that is really the progression we're seeing. We've got doubt. We ask questions. God will give answers. I promise you. He will. God says, seek and you will find. Knock and I'll open the door. Ask and you shall receive. That's what God says. So key that we catch this. So verse 29, Jesus tells Thomas, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. But blessed, say blessed. Oh, I want to be blessed, and I believe you do too. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. I, see, I, I, I have no problem talking about the blessings of God because God has no problem talking about it, and Jesus has no, no problem talking about it, and Jesus literally died to bless us. That's why, so people get freaked out. Oh, you want to get God's blessings? Yes! Are you insane? I want all of God's blessings, and more, I want them all. I want God's blessings, and you should too, and God wants to give them to you. Thomas, by the way, you know how Thomas' story ends? The Bible doesn't tell you, but historians do, and research will tell you, that Thomas ended up being a uh, great evangelist in India. And he got to a point where someone, he got arrested by somebody, and they, they asked him, or they, they demanded that he renounce his faith. You know, say that you don't believe. Say that, say that you're an unbeliever. Remember, Thomas, go back to the way you used to be. Go back to that guy, right? The old Thomas, you know, the doubting Thomas. Tom, well, this isn't doubting Thomas anymore. This is trusting Thomas. He's different. He's different. It's, it's, it's interesting that his nickname is the twin. That would tell us he possibly had a twin, or it just tells us that Thomas was one guy one time, and now he's a new guy. So get this. So Thomas, oh my gosh, um, Thomas, they ask him to renounce his faith. Here's the quote. I will never renounce my Savior. That's what he said out loud. See, side note, threatening a person who's lost their fear of death is a waste of time. It just is. They don't care. They don't care. So what happened next? They drove a spear through his chest and killed him. That's, what, that's how Thomas died, if you didn't know. And you might be thinking, oh my gosh, well, that, that, was, that wasn't such a great day for Thomas. That was the end. No, no, no. Actually, that wasn't the end. That wasn't the end for Thomas. You see, that was actually just the beginning. Because why? Today, Thomas is more alive than he has ever been. Ever. Stop living like this world is your home. Stop living like this is all there is. Oh my God, that's why Thomas said, bring it on. He didn't care. 
And here's the, here's the kicker. I kept going back to this question. If you were with us last week, we talked about a man named Gideon. If you missed last week or if you're new, man, go back and watch it on, on our, our podcast or online. Gideon, it was crazy because he, he, he doesn't just doubt, he unbelieves. Three different times, he's saying, I won't believe unless, unless he does this, and then unless God does this, and then unless God does this, and God does it. And I'm just amazed at God's grace. I said, I can't believe yet you, you would cater to Gideon like that. And now we're catering to Thomas. Well, I'm not, I won't believe unless I see it and I touch it and I do this. And, and, and what does Jesus show, show up and do? Come, do it. Do what you asked for this. Do it. The grace of, so you know, you, know what, you know what conclusion I came to? God is desperate for us to believe. He, he is desperate for us to believe. Like he it's all he wants. It's all he wants because he knows that what you believe or what you don't believe is going to determine the way you live. That is, at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. What you believe or don't believe in your family will determine how you navigate your family. What you believe or don't believe about your job or your boss will determine how you interact with your job or your boss. I guarantee you, think of your life. What you believe or don't believe about the faith offering that I'm talking about, the expansion offering, will determine what you do. That it will. God says it. So, so this week, it was so amazing. We were out here in youth, our youth ministry, 6th through 12th grade. They meet out here on Wednesdays, and it's so amazing. And life groups met out here this week, too, because we did an outreach event uh, for the um, people at, that live at Papillion Manor. That's a senior living center. And... We had tables set up, and we, we, were, we were making these little sleighs uh, with candy and these little nice notes that we can give because many of the, the seniors, people still can't visit them, and they don't get visitors, and we can't even go in there to see them right now just because of the, the being cautious, or cautious with, um, with COVID. So, so this is how we can bless them. So we're doing that, and as we're preparing, this is before it even started, I'm in one of the back rooms, and two of, the, two of our youth students show up. And, and I'm setting up some stuff for Celebrate Recovery, which is a recovery ministry that also happens out here. Amazing. So these youth students show up, and one of the gals I know, because she's a regular youth student, but she brought a friend who I've met just, a, just a, maybe once or twice. And I'm like, I said, um, I said, you know, how you guys doing? You know, small talk. And I said, I asked the, the newer student who got invited, I said, I said, your parents go to church anywhere? And she's like, no, they used to a long time ago, but they don't anymore. And my first thought was, how cool is it that she was at church? Like, like she's leading her family spiritually. See, I don't know about you, but I got tremendous faith in the next generation. I just do. I see what's happening in our youth ministry and our kids' ministry. God, it fills me with faith. I just want to encourage you today. So I'm having this conversation with them. And, and, I, and so we're talking about her, her family and the church thing. And I said, well, I said, you, I said, where are you at with Jesus? Because I didn't know her. And I'm, I, I'll just ask. I said, where are you at with Jesus? She's like, I was baptized as a baby. And I said, I was too. I said, I was too. But that... That wasn't even your choice, and that wasn't my choice. I said, like, where are you at, like, with, with like, salvation, being saved? And from the way she looked at me, I could tell that she didn't, she wasn't clear of what I was really saying. And, and many people aren't. So I, I unpacked it. I said, listen, I don't know how you grew up even before today, but let me just give it to you in a nutshell. Jesus Christ came and died. He lived a perfect life. And then he, he, because we mess up, and I didn't have to tell her she messes up. She already knows. So, but because we mess up, he lived a perfect life, died on a cross, took away our sins, took away our shame, took away our guilt, took away our sickness. And, and, and because we called on his name and asked him to come into us and make us new and forgive us, he'll do it. 
And, the, and because we know he'll do it because he's alive. How do we know he's alive? Because three days later, he rose from the dead. And then her friend said, how do we know? I love her question. I, they'll just, you, youth kids, they don't care. They'll just ask, how do you know? How do we know? And I said, you know, that's a great question. Doubt leads to questions. Questions lead to answers. So I said, listen, if you, when you read the word of God, you'll see that Jesus started to show up to different people. And they started recording it. Like Luke recorded it down, and uh, uh, his brother James recorded it down, and Peter recorded it down, and, and, and John recorded it down. So Jesus starts showing up to all these people. And she's like, well, how do I? And I said, he showed up here, he showed up there, he showed up here. And she said, well, I don't, but how do we know that's all not just, you know, contrived and made up too? And I said, okay, I said, here's the thing. At the end of the day, it's going to require faith, right? It, it will. The Bible says we are saved by our faith through God's grace. When we, so it's going to take faith, right? Even when Jesus shows up in the, in the flesh and showed Thomas, there were people that would still doubt. You, you know that? Not everybody Jesus appeared to would believe. It, it's insane. Just, well, if I just could see him, it, it wouldn't. You'd still have to believe by faith. Because he'd, he'd leave again. You're like, oh, was that a dream? Or I don't know. So you, and I, I, here's what I told her. I said, at the end of the day, girls, here's the deal. I don't believe because the people saw him. I don't believe because it's written in that book. I don't believe, I believe because um, I cried out to him one day and he, he, he saved me. Like he changed me. And I know it was him because, because I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm not where I used to be. That's all I know. And I knew, so, so they're wrestling and I'm, I said, you guys ready to just receive the gospel? And they're like looking at me like, you know, I'm like, all right, maybe not today, but I'm here when you're ready. So they kind of, all right, I'm going to avoid that dude because they know I'm going to ask. But, um, Oh the, oh, the other thing I told the gal is I said, because when she, when she asked, how do you know the resurrection is real? And I immediately thought of this movie called The Case for Christ. You ever seen that movie? It's probably three, four years old now, but it's a story of uh, atheists, Lee and Les Strobel, true story, uh, two atheists that, that came to faith. And, and he sets out to disprove the resurrection because they know that if you can disprove that, then Christianity is done. If you, can, if you can prove that Jesus wasn't dead and then alive, it, it's over. So that, that's the premise of the movie. And I was talking to them about the movie and, and uh, because she kept asking, how do I know? But even before I get to that real quick, let me share something. I went home that night and I, uh, I start, as I start telling them who all saw Jesus, this is, this is what I, uh, I looked up, who all saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. Check this out. Jesus is seen by first Mary Magdalene, by the way, a woman who he, he saved, he, she had demons, and now she fell in love with the king of kings. Mary Magdalene, other women who went to the tomb saw him. Peter saw him alone. Two travelers then on a road to Emmaus saw him. Ten disciples in a locked room, we, we, you know about that story, we read that today, they saw him. Eleven disciples, including Thomas, then they saw him eight days later. Seven disciples saw him when they were fishing. Eleven saw him on top of a mountain, we call that the Great Commission. A crowd of 500 people saw Jesus alive. James, the brother of Jesus, saw Jesus alive. All who watched Jesus ascend into heaven, we don't even know the number, saw Jesus alive. And even after that happened, a man named Saul that Jesus transformed on the road to Damascus saw him alive. I'm telling somebody, it would take more faith not to believe. It would take more faith not to believe that Jesus is alive. So I, I shared that with them, and I shared the story, and I talked about this movie, made me think about that. And the thing about the movie, I, I thought about the conversion of, of Lee and Leslie Strobel. Do you know how it started? 
It didn't start with, you know, hey, let's have a conversation about whether the Bible's true or whether that, you know, the resurrection is real. Do you know how it started and how it'll start with many of you in your life or your friend's life or your family life? It'll start with an event. Mine started with a drug addiction that was killing me and killing my family. That's how my salvation would start. It'll start with either a triumphant, triumphant event or tragic event probably. In most people, that's how it starts. Something shakes their foundation of their soul. It shakes the foundation of their life. And God will allow that because he, he cares nothing. He, all he wants is for you to believe and he'll do whatever it takes. He doesn't cause it. The world's good at that. It's evil. It, it happens. But God will allow it to shake the foundation. There's an event in the movie that happened that I thought about it as I talked to those girls about the movie. And I thought about how did they first get converted? It was what happened at a dinner table with their daughter. And, and, and the event that happened shook the foundation of them, specifically Leslie Strobel. Movie's based on a true story. It, it's unbelievable because after that event, the, the, the mom, Leslie, would start to go to church with the woman that saved her daughter. And eventually she gave her life to Christ, got baptized in a river. And her, and her husband, Lee Strobel, very astute, very smart journalist at the Chicago Tribune, um, was disgusted. He thought, We're, my God, my, now my wife's bought into this crap, this cult, this lie, this joke, this fairy tale about a, a man who was dead. And then, I mean, and he was disgusted. So he sets out and says, he says, I'll disprove it. So he goes to a colleague and says, how do I disprove Christianity? And his colleague said, disprove the resurrection. It's all you got to do. You don't need to do anything else. Disprove the resurrection didn't happen because if it didn't happen, then, not, then, it, then you know none of, it, none of it's true. Sets out to do it. You can about imagine what happened. Everything he did, everything he did turned up that it wasn't false, that it was true. I tell people, it takes, it takes more faith not to believe when you do the research. You're doubting something. It might even not be salvation or Christianity. It might be something else in your life. God will, God will allow things. To, to, he speaks to us through many different things. By the way, you know there are more miracles in the Bible than what I recorded, right? I mean, I hope you know that. The, 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 the Bible's a snapshot of, the of, of God and the life of Jesus. It's not, it's not everything Jesus did. There are many more miracles that were recorded. God's still doing miracles. Three weeks ago in our home, a miracle happened. Jody, my wife Jody and I were trying to decide on where to eat. We agreed on the very first option. Don't tell me God doesn't still move mountains. I'm telling you, that doesn't happen. God, so John 20, 30. This is continuing the story that we started with Thomas. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. The miracles you know about, they're, they're scratching the surface. But these are written. Why? So that you might continue to believe. Did you hear that? Why are any of the miracles recorded in the Word of God? Why, why are any of them? So that you would believe for you and your friends and your family and your neighbors and your coworkers. It's so that you would believe. It's not just to say, look how, look how good I am, look how... No, no, no. It's always about us believing that Jesus, what, is the Messiah. That he's what, the Son of God. And that by, by believing in him, you would have life by power in his name. Say, the, say life. That's a crazy word. It meant so much to John, this gospel writer. He used that word at least 36 times in his gospel. 
He's always talking about it. You need life. You need abundant life. You need eternal life. You need the bread of life. Always talking about life. John, what are you insinuating? You know what he's insinuating? That, that you have death in you. I mean, if I need life, you're insinuating something in me is dead then. And John would say, yes, yes, I am. That's exactly what I'm insinuating. See, we think of it differently maybe in the world that we live, but I'm telling you, when I, when I was driving down 41st Street in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, in my addiction, God, I wasn't just sick. I wasn't just weak. I was lost. And I wasn't just lost. I was dead. I mean, dead dead in my sin. Salvation isn't just about resuscitating somebody. Salvation is about resurrecting somebody. It's about life and not just life. It's about new life. Shout life. Shout life. Life. Life has come here today. A historical evidence. It was enough for Lee Strobel and his wife, Leslie, to say, my God, the historical evidence is overwhelming. We keep researching, we keep digging, we keep asking, and all signs point to the resurrection happen. And yes, historical faith is important. But I'm telling you what, saving faith is even bigger. Huh? The historical faith says Christ lives. That's what it says. It says historical faith says Christ lives. Saving faith, you know what it says? It says, Christ lives in me. It's personal. It's not just, I believe in, but I believe. I believe. Shout, I believe. I believe. We believe. It's personal. Thomas, I feel bad. You get a bad rap. You're not doubting Thomas. You're trusting Thomas. <laughs> By the way, if your name is Tom or Thomas, I mean... This is just kind of a double blessing for you, isn't it? So it's, it's really personal for you. <laughs> the truth is, Thomas, you're not that bad because nobody believed. Nobody believed Jesus was alive. You ever think about this? Why were Peter and John went and saw the empty tomb and Mary Magdalene? But yet when God shows up, when, when, when Jesus shows up, they're, they're, they're afraid still behind a locked door. Do you understand how crazy it would be to believe something like that? Nobody believed. Mary Magdalene, the first person this woman to see, to see the empty tomb, she didn't believe. She didn't believe. I, right before the scripture we started today with Thomas missing out on that, 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 that showing of the Jesus showing up, in verse 11, it says, Mary is standing outside the tomb. This is that morning. What is she doing? She's crying. Not tears of joy. Tears of suffering and pain and sadness. She wept. She stoops in. What she sees? Look what she sees. Two white-robed angels. Okay, wouldn't that be like, oh, that's different. Maybe a miracle's happened. Understand how crazy it is to believe what they, they're asking them to believe. She's looking at angels. She's speaking to angels. And here's, here's what she says. Actually, they speak first in verse 13. They say, dear woman, why are you crying? Oh, these are tears of joy. I'm crying because my Lord is risen. 
three days later, he's risen from the dead. No, that's not what she's saying. I'm crying. They've stolen my Lord. Someone's took his body. Mary, you're talking to angels right now. A miracle's happened. Mary, Jesus said over and over, I will die and then I'll rise. I'll die, then I'll rise. What's Mary believing? What anybody would practically believe. Not that a dead, not that there's somebody in the coughing saying, hey, let me out. That you don't believe that. That doesn't happen. Not, that, not back then and not now. Dear woman, why are you crying? They've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they put him. She turns to leave and she sees someone standing there. The first person to ever see Christ alive. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, Jesus speaks to her. Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Now she thought Jesus was the gardener, which is kind of comical if you think about it. Sir, she said, if you've done it, pointing right at Jesus, if you're the one who's taken him, tell me. Tell me where you put him. I'll go and I'll get him. Don't you love that even though Mary thought Jesus was the hired hand, Jesus doesn't rebuke her. All he does is walk with love and grace. All he, he sees she's confused. He sees she's flustered. He sees she's hurting. And listen to what, listen to what breaks it. How does he reveal himself to her? He says her name. veil drops. Teacher. The power of it. You know what that made me think of? Ten chapters earlier, John's writing. You know what he says? My sheep hear my voice. They know me by name, and I know their name. Mary. Teacher. Can you imagine Mary Magdalene? Like, oh my God. Mary Magdalene was like the worst of the worst before she got saved kind of like you and me you know what I thought of what do we call ourselves this might be taking a little sidestep from the doubt thing but walk with me for a second what do you call yourself you remember the main point right what you believe or don't believe is going to determine the life that you live what do you believe about you see what you call yourself really determines what you believe about yourself. You're making a statement about yourself. I'm so stupid. I'm such a screw-up. I get, I, I, I get so angry. I keep hurting people. I'm such a, I'm an addict. I'm a deadbeat. I keep messing, I keep hurting. You gotta stop speaking that stuff out loud. Allow God to start working in your life. I'm such a loser. You know who's putting those thoughts in your head? The enemy. That's who does it. He's a liar. He's so good at what he does, but Jesus is, is a little bit better. Amen? Calling yourself those names. Don't do that. That's not what Jesus called Mary. Teacher. The devil. We've said it before. The devil, what? He knows your, he knows your name, but he calls you by your sins. Jesus Christ knows your sins, but today he calls you by your name. On the count of three, I want you to shout your name as loud as you can. One, two, three. I hope that sounded beautiful coming out of your mouth to you because it did to the Lord. 
You know what Jesus calls you? John writes it in, in his other books, 1 John, 2 John. He calls you beloved. He even knows what you did last night, and he looks at you and says, beloved. He knows about how you got drunk during the week, and he says, beloved. He knows the way you talk to your kids when you get upset, and he calls you beloved. He knows your thoughts and what you look at, and he says, beloved. Mary Magdalene, the first person to see Jesus live. You know who one of the last people were? Saul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. I'll close with 1 Corinthians 15. I'm reading these 1 and 2 Corinthians with the group I'm in. And God keeps speaking to me. Go figure, he'll do that when you open the word of God. And, and, and Paul, Paul says to the church in Corinth, just like I would say to the church at Meadows, if you were to ask me in your doubt, what's the most important thing? Of all the things that we deal with in this life, what's most important? That's what Paul addressed in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. He says, I passed on to you what was most important. All right, Paul, I can't wait to hear it. And what had also been passed on to me. I can't wait, Paul, let's hear it. Here it is. Christ died for your sins, just as the scripture says. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. So if the resurrection, listen to me, if the resurrection is false, none of this matters. But if it's true, then it's the most important thing in the universe. And I'm here to tell you, newsflash, it is true. Jesus is alive today. Do you know who the God who's with us right now? The person of God is the Holy Spirit. He's with us. Jesus Physically, he's in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, praying for you and I. God the Father is in heaven right now, sitting on his throne. That's how important the Holy Spirit is. He's the only person of the God that's actually hanging out with us right here, just so you know. He's a big deal. Jesus, right here, in the Spirit. I breathe the Holy Spirit on you. Faith is a big deal. I'll give you good news. You have faith. Everybody does. Oh, they don't have any faith. No, you do. You have tremendous faith. Probably just as much faith as anybody else. Did you know that? Your faith isn't the, the, the issue. Your faith isn't the problem. Your faith isn't the question. And neither is mine. You know, you know what the issue is? The object of your faith. That's the issue. That's my issue. You've got faith in something. Lee Strobel had faith in science. He had faith in journalism. He had faith in the facts. He had faith in, in, his, in himself, in his mind. That's where his faith lay, and his wife. Faith is not the question. The difference is the object of your faith. What have you put your faith in today? And what is God asking you to do? The 10 disciples on that day, they put their faith in Jesus and they went from fear to courage. Thomas, when, on that eight days later, Thomas put his faith in Jesus and went from unbelieving to believing. Today, on this day, God wants you to put your faith in him in whatever area of your life you need to and go from death to life. Well, I'm not dead. Don't be so sure. There's parts of all of us at certain times that get pretty diseased, but we have somebody who makes things new. His name is Jesus. 
I've already given you the gospel. You're messed up, so am I. Christ came to save us from hell and from ourselves. Abundant life doesn't start when you reach the pearly gates of heaven. It can start today when you surrender your life to Jesus. That's when it starts. Uh, my, my biggest, and I'll, I'll keep, keep saying this, my biggest concern is people like me. People that believe in up here. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in it. Do you believe? Like, is it here? There, there's a big difference. Big difference. One is head knowledge. One is a heart relationship. Jesus died for a heart relationship. That's surrender. That's personal. That's my Lord, my God. That's what Thomas said. My Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. Is that what you would say to Jesus? Is he, some, is he a God or is he your God? That's the difference. I think there are millions of people believing in something. They just don't believe. It's just not personal. And Jesus would say, turn away from me. I never knew you. It's the most horrendous word you could ever hear. I, I, I want you to sell out to him, heart and soul today. Online, I want you to sell out. I'm not just talking about going through the motions. I'm not talking about just, oh, I believe the tomb is empty. That's where it begins. It begins with an empty tomb. Surrender everything to him. Let God take hold of your life today. No joke. You look back at your week. Was it the week that you really wanted to live? Did you live abundantly? Did you live full? Did you live refreshed? Did you live renewed? Or did you live like most people in the world? Ask God to come into you now and make you new. Online, type, I choose Jesus in the comments. Right now, we'll connect with you. In the room, yeah, indicate it on your card, your connect card. Let us know, we'll walk with you. That's just the beginning. I wrote this question down. Where do I need to trust God today? I got my own, trust me. I, I, I need to answer that question, and I am. For some of you, it's salvation, what we're talking about. Believing, believing. Jesus, come into me and make me new. Some of you, it's, it's the gathering. I love watching this church grow. I, I love seeing people here. I love watching people or people watching online, but I'm telling you, when you gather together with the Holy Spirit and other believers, some of you, it's, it's prayer and your prayer life isn't there and you need to start having faith that God hears your prayers and that he cares. Some of you, it's the faith offering and you're still struggling over that. Don't struggle and don't feel guilted, that's for sure. That's not supposed to happen. You go to God, he'll, he'll tell you what to do. I'm gonna pray for you and then we'll just pray together. I pray this series is blessing you. We have one more week next week and then we start a Christmas series on December 5th. Before I close in prayer, let me remind you, there are about 75 foster kids that are waiting for you outside the doors. They're waiting for you to love them and bless them. They're in situations that, well, let's just say we're fortunate. So let's bless them like we've been blessed by the Lord. I pray that those names flood out of here. For those of you that have brought coats for the coat drive, that, got, that thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. We're gonna put coats on a lot of kids because of you, and you're making that happen. I love our church. God is just scratching the surface with what, what he wants to do in your life. I hope you know that. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. We learn from a guy named Thomas, a guy that I'm convinced gets a bad rap, God. Yes, he was unbelieving Thomas for a moment, but for, for most of his life, he was trusting Thomas. He was, I believe, Thomas. He was my Lord, my God, Thomas. 
He was, I don't care if you kill me or not, it don't matter because this world was never my home in the first place, Thomas. God, will you start to change us like that? I don't wanna live for this world. I wanna live for you, but I wanna make an impact in this world. God, I pray that you start to move in our hearts right now. What do we need to, what, where do we need to trust you today? Where do we need to put our faith in today? You're, the evidence is all around us, my God. I, I don't know, I don't think we need more evidence about historical faith. It's there, if we research it, we'll find the same thing that the Strobel's found in Chicago. The tomb's empty. I mean, it, there's, there's people that don't even believe in, in God and have said the tomb is empty. So that's not even the case. It's not about believing in, it's believing. Help us believe with our heart and soul. What part of us haven't we surrendered to you? Is it our finance? Is it, our, is it our, um, some sin in our life, some addiction, some secret? God, maybe sell it to you right now. Maybe give it to you right now. Take it from us, God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit like you did with the 10 disciples. Breathe the Holy Spirit on us as I pray this over the church, God. I thank you so much for your provision. I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much for Jesus. Without, without him, without his sacrifice, this, none of this matters. But because of what he did, we get to live for you. We get to love like you. We get to live like you. We won't always get it right. But you're there to pick us back up. You're there to brush us off, just like Mary, not understanding at the tomb. And you speak the name. She hears you and you hear her. She's with you in heaven. Just like I hope all of us will be someday, Father. Would you have your way? Bless this church, bless their families. Bless any things that are going on in their life that maybe no one knows about but them. God, work and move. We love you. We thank you. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.